This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, July 15th, 2018. An animated faith, it's okay to cry. Well, good morning, Connection Church. Good morning. We have these scattered around the room. Please pick one up now. And welcome to week three of our July series, uh, An Animated Faith. We're looking at some movies from Pixar the, and seeing what Christian themes we can glean from them. Um, last week, we looked at the theme of Father's Love as we uh, talked about the movie Finding Nemo. And next week, we're going to be looking at using our gifts in the movie uh, The Incredibles. And this morning, we're going to look at using, I'm sorry, at uh, Inside Out, the movie Inside Out. And the theme is it's okay to cry. Well, good morning, Connection Church. We are so glad that you have joined us here at 100 West Green Street. And those of you who are joining us on Facebook Live, thank you so much. There are people like Mary and Barb and Natalie and Devin and other people, Stephanie and Patty. Thank you so much for joining us. We are live at 11 o'clock if you're ever away. And you can tune in at Facebook Live. I hope Devin's not driving the van. Devin's not driving the van, I don't believe. Uh, We are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? Almighty God, thank you so much for today. It's a day that you've made, a day that you give us an opportunity to dig a little bit deeper about our relationship with you. Thank you for everyone who is joining us today. And may each one of us just take a little bit more of a risk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Inside Out. It's a movie that takes place primarily, or it takes us inside the mind of 11-year-old Riley personifies her five dominant emotions, sad, uh, joy, sadness, anger, fear, and disgust. Now, these five characters in Riley's head, they man a control panel that guides this young lady through life, forming memories, the strongest of which then form islands of personality, which define Riley. Things like silliness, uh, ice hockey, friendship, family. And so there's an emotion. The emotion, joy, is definitely in charge because she has been with Riley since the very beginning, the longest ever since birth. But sadness has been there nearly as long, perhaps 30 seconds less than joy. Throughout Riley's life, the goal, the goal of Riley's parents, of others, and of Riley herself, was that Riley would experience joy all the time. Joy all the time. Because of this, they have succeeded to stop, to kind of quench sadness from fully developing. And as a result, when Riley's family moves from Minnesota to California, she's unable to express her sadness, resulting in the loss of some of her core memories and even her, some of her islands of personality. And the movie then centers on the character's joy and sadness working together 
to restore those core memories, achieving the desired result of an emotionally stable and content Riley. Along the way, the character Joy comes to realize that all the emotions are important for Riley's joy. She, she thought that joy, happiness, she was the be-all, end-all, and everything come to realize that all take a part. As she looks back at a core memory and sees that Riley's joy at a particular moment in life was a result of her parents and her team lifting her up and encouraging her, but that only happened after an extremely sad moment in life. That's why they were there to lift her up and encourage her because of a tough thing that happened. And it's from that scene then that joy <laughs> is able to, to, to realize that sadness often brings us closer to one another, allowing true joy to occur. So we think that this movie does a great job at bringing this idea of importance and prominence of joy in our lives. We have a culture who really focuses on joy. You gotta have joy, you gotta be happy. That's the end all, that's the be all to everything, and that's our goal. And the problem is, if that's the goal all the time, then what we do is we stuff other emotion for that ultimate goal. Now, it is absolutely true, it's a promise in the Bible, that God wants us to have joy and to have it to the full. But God gives us this whole boat of emotion. And so when we try to just go after that, go after that, we avoid the other emotions. We avoid feeling other kinds of pain because we view that as an enemy at all costs. And the results really can be pretty devastating because we make bad choices in attempt to go pain-free, in our attempts to avoid sadness, in our attempts to experience joy every single moment, 24-7, 365. It's interesting. Sadness, as much as we try to avoid it, as, as much as we like to be happy and joyful, it's sadness more than joy that often brings us closer to God and to one another. In our experience as pastors, we find that the sadness of a funeral, much more than the joy of a wedding, seems to draw people into conversations about God, conversations about life, death, eternity, hereafter, conversations about salvation. And it's a result of these types of conversations that Joy, true joy may result, heartfelt, soul-felt joy results from getting closer to God in contrast to other occasions in which we experience the short-lived happiness of the moment. Two weeks ago that we, <coughs> we talked about our identity being in Christ, and last week we talked about a father's love. We shared that God created us, and God in fact, created us with a full range of emotion. Joy is such an important aspect of our lives, but so is sadness. So, now, the sadness that I talk about is not that prolonged, unending, excruciating sadness that completely takes over life for forever for and forever, but a sadness that allows us to express emotion in an appropriate way, based on 
a situation. It's that reaction that we have that can be very, very healthy. Now, in the movie, Riley finally expresses her sadness to her parents that she misses Minnesota, she misses the life that they had together there and, and her friends and the activities. And it wasn't until then that she said it and dealt with it were they as a family able to deal with the sadness that they all felt. And because they were able to talk about it, they were able to, <coughs> to move on and in fact experience joy in their new circumstance. And so the bottom line is that it's okay to cry. It's okay to cry. Will you say that with me? It's okay to cry. Let me hear just the guys. It's okay to cry. There you go. Last service, it was like there was a muteness when I said that. As I've shared before, when I was 13, a real close friend of mine died. He was 14 at the time. He just His birthday was earlier than mine. He's 14. And, and it's interesting because over the years I've, I've wondered sometimes at funerals why I don't seem to react quite as strongly as a lot of people around me. I think part of it is because of how strongly this hit me at such a young age. It kind of set the scene, you know, for the future uh, when you lose somebody that young who is that young. And I remember sitting at the viewing, and being at the viewing, and there are actually two very almost opposite emotions that hit me. The one, as I looked at my friend Chucky, all nice and neat with his tie and his sport coat, and I thought, well, that's funny. I would never have seen Chucky with a tie that neat and a sport coat that neatly. He was always in 20 directions, and I don't know if I ever saw him even with a tie on. So that was kind of funny. The flip side, though, was sitting there as you do at a viewing, and I just, all I remember is just sitting there and crying and crying and crying and crying. It's like it would not stop as I kind of thought back over our time together. I remember thinking of our time at the pool and our time throughout, and not just remembering the times we had, but then thinking to the future and the times that we're then not going to have. And, 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 and you know, that, that sadness, that crying just went on, and I can't say that it was enjoyable, but looking back, I can say that it was absolutely necessary. Because without that crying, I may have been stuck in that sadness. I may have been stuck in that, you know, that down point. And that crying also allowed me to fully appreciate, when I look back, fully appreciate the time God had allowed me with my friend. Uh, I guess it was about 10 years that we had together. You know, it's in those times of sadness, those times of tears that God draws us closer to him. It's in those times, especially where God lets us know that somehow, even though at the moment it doesn't seem possible, somehow things are going to be okay. That somehow with God's help we're going to get through. That somehow, even in the midst of the tears, somehow we know that someday we will laugh again, you know. Sadness is important, and it's okay to cry. When we look in the Bible, in Scripture, there is the book of Psalms. There's 150 Psalms, and they express a wide <laughs> variety of emotion. It's great. 
in the beginning, you know, you can read things where there's extreme praise, and then you can also read where there's deep, deep sadness. We'd like to lift up Psalm 22 this morning. This is written by David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me? so far from my cries of anguish. Can you hear that emotion as he writes, as he cries out? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. And so we have anguish and we have trust and we have so far. And then, then another kind of term where he says, but I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. This is the king of Israel talking. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their head. He trusts in the Lord. They say, let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me. For trouble is near and there is no one to help. So the author of this, David, he's the same little guy that, you know, with a slingshot and a stone slew the giant Goliath. He's the same guy who was a shepherd who was called out of the field and anointed to be the king of Israel. David is, his little tagline is a man after God's own heart. David was such a deep, deep believer and he depended so much on God. He also has a He's very human. He made a lot of mistakes, and he understood also the meaning of repentance and a changed life. But in this scripture, we find out that David feels like God's not listening. He cries out, and there are insults that are hurled at him. You know, they're making fun of David at trusting God. I can kind of, maybe not making fun, but relate to this. You know, he trusts in God. Let the Lord rescue him. Sometimes I've let the enemy get in my head. So when I have felt like I'm ready to unravel, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't be that because I'm a believer in Jesus. I'm faithful. I cannot, you know, be at loose ends. And God wires us and gives us one another and God to depend on. So don't feel like you have to put on this mask and be perfect because we can't be. That is an unhealthy response. David felt sad. David felt isolated. David felt lonely. Have you? I have. And yet David turns to the Lord. David has felt far from God. Have you ever felt far from God? I have. David's most anguishing moment, that feeling far from God, he still at the end of the day says, but you're the one I trust. And that's a decision that we make. No matter what, God, I'm going to trust you. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to allow you to order my steps. And even if I don't feel you, I know that you are still with me. Because that's the promise. 
You are still with me even when I don't feel it. That is a, that is a really big mess when we think, well, I just don't feel them. No, we have to, in faith, just say, okay, even when I don't, you're still there. God's all we've got. God's all that David had. He's all we've got. He's all you've got. He's all I've got. You know, we often turn to family and friends in those times, and family and friends often bring comfort. But the bottom line truth is the only one who can truly comfort us in our sadness, in our time of need, the only one who can truly bring us true joy, joy of the spirit, joy of the soul, the only one is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So as we were finalizing what we would speak on today, uh, yesterday, not writing it yesterday, but just really living into it so that we would be ready. We always think, well, okay, how does this relate? And so I spent some time thinking, okay, when were the saddest moments in my life? Great way to spend Saturday, right? So it's like, when were the, and I'm thinking, okay, this time, and I'm not just talking being sad. I mean like the depth of my soul. And I could think of this, and I could think of this, and this. And I decided that I would share one that might not relate to a lot of people, but it might relate to some of you. I still believe that one of the saddest moments of my life is the day that our daughter Megan and our son-in-law Ted and Isabella and Adeline, our grandchildren, pulled out of the driveway and left for Texas. It just undid me. Any of you know me, it's like I just thrive on family, on our kids, on our grandkids. And knowing that they were that far away and knowing that I couldn't enjoy stuff that happened at school or go to their soccer games or go to their ballet recitals just did me in. And I just, I have this image of the car backing out of the driveway. Alan and Ted had already left with the U-Haul. And Devin and I were standing there in the driveway. And I'm just, we're just tears. And then Devin says, I need a dog. <laughs> so she got Sadie the next week, but that certainly didn't replace Megan or, or the kids. And then I, I went down into this place of sadness that really is the depth of my soul because she left in, in June, and then Turner, our youngest, left for college and moved out of the house and onto campus. And I was just like, wow. And I can remember coming down the ramp one, I don't know if it was a Sunday or I don't know, I don't know when it was, and one or two of you might have been here with me, because I remember coming down the ramp and starting to cry, and I thought I couldn't stop. And I thought, oh my goodness, I've got all these kids and these grandkids and an awesome husband and an incredible church, and I am crying and I can't stop. So I ended up going and, and spent some time with a counselor to unpack what I was feeling, and it was grief. It's, 
an aspect of grief. I can remember someone saying, well, she's not dead. What well, kind of felt like it? Felt like it. And you just can't get, think about, think about only seeing your kid once a year. It's hard. It's hard. So I did some introspection. I did a lot of work. And um, thank heavens for FaceTime. We'd talk on FaceTime, and I'd put this happy face on, and Isabel would wait, are you getting ready to cry, Ray? And I'm like, no. Put the ball in my eyes out as soon as they're off. And today, well, I talked to him last night, and of course, I, I didn't sob, but I'll tell you, I do when I fly out of Houston and I look back down and know I'm not going to be back for a year. But here's the thing. In the midst of that, I did find joy because with some time, like a couple years, I am so happy for them. They're thriving. They're so connected in ministry. And Megan's thriving and Ted's thriving. And the girls are doing great. And I want that for them. I want them to be there to enjoy what they're doing even at the, you know, my heart not being able to be there. So it's only God that kind of brought that peace and helped me get through that so that I can celebrate, still cry, but I celebrate that they're thriving. But only God, with some counseling and lots of friends listening to me, um, got me to this place. And I know that some of you might understand exactly what I'm talking about. It's tough sometimes to find that peace that God offers that allows us to um, get through the grief of loss. Mm -hmm. Loss of a daughter, not permanent, but the loss of daily contact face-to-face, the loss of a close friend, loss of a family. It's tough that, to find that peace, but I think this is how it works. See, we're all created with this, um, this God-shaped hole in our soul. It's kind of like a puzzle. You've never done a puzzle and there's one piece at the end missing? Well, this is the missing piece, and it's kind of in the shape of a cross. And we, and we try to fill it with all kinds of other things, you know, like we're in school, we might try to fill it with good grades or maybe with sports achievements or maybe with some guy or some gal or maybe with a cool car or you pick whatever it is that maybe you tried to fill it with. And, and, as it, and we get out of school and we try to fill it with a, a great job, with a position and, or possessions, maybe the, the house and then the next house and again, a cool car. Car seems to be the constant through here, especially if you're a guy. We try to fill that hole in our soul with. And, and sometimes we, when we can't fill it, we have that pain. And, and so we try to minimize that pain. We're talking about what happens when we have pain and, and, and we try to get rid of it. And so we might use chemicals, either legal or illegal, to, to stifle that pain, to avoid that pain, to minimize that pain, to hopefully anesthetize that pain. You know, I have a friend who is sober, gosh, 30-plus years now, but she told me the hardest thing since she started drinking about 15, the hardest thing when she got sober was once again having to feel pain because she hadn't felt it for 30 years because she had masked it with 
alcohol and drugs. And so we might try to mask that hole in our soul pain with whatever, illicit sex, uh, or whatever we might, you know, all things that are contrary to what God will want us to do. Because the only thing that will fill that hole is none of the things I've mentioned. The only thing that will fill that hole in our soul is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the only thing that will fill that hole in our soul. And until we do that, none of those other things will. And in fact, we'll continue to bring the pain and we'll try to get rid of it as we've talked about. And then that relationship, com relationship comforts us in our soul. Our relationship, that relationship helps us deal with that grief from loss of a family member to distance or a friend to death or whatever that loss is. The personal relationship with Christ helps us somehow and it beyond understanding. That's why the Scripture says this peace that passes all understanding because it doesn't make sense how God is able to get us out of that grief, out of that sorrow, out of that pain, out of that sadness that at one point we thought we would never be able to get out of. But somehow that relationship with Jesus Christ, the Lord, brings that peace that passes all that our brain would think otherwise. And in that peace we are then able to realize joy, true joy in the Lord. So we shared Psalm 22. Of course, right after Psalm 22 is the 23rd Psalm, which many of us are familiar with. And it's, it's really interesting. Now, we're not sure David wrote them in the sequence, but it's how they were added in the Bible. Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? forsaken me in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> I shall not want. Just that difference. And it's both good to be able to have, my God, my God, the Lord is my shepherd. There's this wide range of emotion that we have that God gave us. God created you this way. And to express the emotions in a healthy way is what God would want so that we can, in fact, experience joy. If we're always at joy, then the joy even fades. And it's that the way that life is that we are so appreciative of things because we know what it's like at times when we're in that other place. And so by the time we get to the end of this movie, Inside Out, we we realize that we should be aware of our emotions and not just be aware, but realize that each of our emotions has value, even the ones that we would label those less than desire, those ones we like to avoid, like the sadness emotion and the, some of those like that. And, and through this character, Joy, in the movie, even though she thought that the emotion's collective goal was to always make Riley happy, that happiness was the be-all, end-all. By the end of the movie, even the emotion joy learns that there's more to emotional health than mere happiness. You know, as believers, we acknowledge the importance of our emotions, that, that God designed us with them and that 
They ex we should express them in healthy ways. This is red. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm, I, I, I disconnected. My bad. Wow, it's loud. Um, how, long, how long did we miss? I, it was okay. You can keep going. Huh? A mi uh, half a minute. Okay. You're good. Um, uh, where am I here? Uh, did, uh, Jesus was, he showed anger when he turned over the tables and was in the marketplace and, and because they turned his temple into, into a, 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 a den of thieves, he said. And, and when he came to uh, the sisters, Martha and Mary, and come to realize that Lazarus was in the tomb and they were so sad, it was the shortest scripture there is, two words, Jesus wept. And so we see these emotions, and they all have value. We see them in Jesus. God designed us with these, and so we should be able to express these, but in healthy ways. That being said, there's more for us than simply expressing value in our sadness as well as our joy. So we want to share a blog with you. Um, a guy, Jeremy Pierre, wrote it, and he says that our emotions act as a gauge measuring our value. They reveal our true desires. They express our heart's desire. You know, when we really want something or experience, it could, I'm not talking necessarily a physical thing, but a person or a situation, we, we feel joy and anger uh, expresses a perceived threat to something. There's fear, all kinds of things, but emotions express our heart's desire. And Pierre shares that God created us to desire what God desires. Perhaps that's part of, of what it means when Scripture tells us in Genesis that we are created in God's image. And so we're designed to find joy where God finds joy, sadness where God finds sadness. And there's a great song by Hillsong United entitled Hosanna that we sing here sometimes. And there's a, a verse in that song. Now, I'm not going to sing it because I don't want you guys to leave early. But I will just share that with you. Heal my heart and make it clean. Open my eyes to things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved. And then here's the line that just, oh my gosh. Break my heart, Lord, for what breaks yours. If you think about what breaks the Lord's heart, then we're asking God, be careful with this prayer here. <laughs> because if God breaks your heart for what breaks him, his, Wow. Everything I am for your kingdom cause I, as I walk from earth into eternity. Wow. God designed us that our hearts would break for what breaks God's heart. God designed us with <sighs> desires and emotions that imitate his. And too often, we find our joy in things that bring God sadness. Too often, we're fearful of taking the step 
to be obedient in certain situations where God says, I will bring you life, and we choose the contrary. Our sinful nature turns us from God, and our emotions at times have been corrupted, often leading us to do the opposite of what God mm. would desire for mm. us. But there's hope. There's hope. Say that word with me. There's hope. hope. One more time. Hope. hope. We have hope, and that hope is in Jesus Christ. That is our hope. That's the bridge between God and us. Come down from heaven so that we might be able to, once again, look heavenward and be tuned in. Jesus was able to perfectly manage his emotions and his desires, and his desires and emotions imitated God the Father. We especially see this on the night when he was arrested. We see both his human emotion and we see his imitation of his, God, of his father's. Check this out. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that would be James and John, along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. Wow. Jesus' soul overwhelmed with sorrow even to the point of death. That is really deep. Don't think that Jesus doesn't understand your sadness and your grief and your sorrow. But then Christ says, my father, if it's possible, may the cup be taken, yet not as I will, but as you will, because at the end of the day, his choice is to be obedient, and at the end of the day, our choice, no matter what, is to say, okay, God, I'm just going gonna, gonna to trust you in all things, just like David did in the psalm, and be obedient and allow you to guide and direct my steps. I want to be aligned to you. Mm. But following the will of the Father, Jesus went to the cross, and he gave his life for you and for me. Painful as that was, that's what he did. He did it to pay the price for our sin, that we might be forgiven, that we might be given new life, that we might be redeemed, made right with God, that we might travel through eternity with God. And it's in this redemption that we are then able to once again value what God values, desire what God desires, as our emotions imitate God's emotions, finding joy where God finds joy, sadness where God finds sadness, disgust where God is disgusted, angered where God is disgusted, hearts broken by the things that break God's heart, and actually free from fear as our faith in God then dispels the fears that we once felt. So at this point in the message, we often offer a challenge, and thank you for hanging in. We're going to go just a couple minutes over. But 
normally we say, okay, as a result of this, go do this or go try this or make a difference here or there. And today our challenge is different. Our challenge is to embrace the way that God has wired you. Embrace the beauty and the sadness, the whole thing, and, and celebrate and remember that when we are in certain places and spaces in our lives, when we experience things other than joy, that God is with us and that we can draw on the Holy Spirit strength and power to get us through sometimes moments of the day that we think we just can't breathe one more breath. But just know that God desired you, created you, and loves you beyond measure. And God wired us with all kinds of emotion. And when expressed in a healthy way, we indeed do grow. And we grow in Christ. And so, in parting, we want you to remember that it's awesome to laugh, but it's okay to cry. Let's live that out and believe it in Jesus' name. Would you pray with us, please? Almighty God, thank you so much for your presence with us. And we often think that we need to just not show emotion other than happy, but we can always be real with you and help us have brothers or sisters in Christ who can walk with us through those times. Thank you for the way that you've wired us, as complicated as it feels, and help us at the end of the day and the beginning of the day and all times in between proclaim that you are great. I pray this in the name of the Father and Jesus Christ, his only one, one and only Son, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302 378 7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.